1: Welcome to the Ghost of Harrenhal, my name's Simon.
0: And I'm McKellie.
1: Thank you for joining us for episode 77 of our chapter-by-chapter chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 3 of A Clash of Kings, that's Tyrion 1.
0: And as always, we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully, we'll provide you with some entertainment
1: along the way. We'll summarize what's happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some background, compare it to the television show, and indulge in a little pedantry. We'll also cover some reader mail. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide you some additional information, which will help clue you in, particularly if you're not reading along. How are you, McKelly?
0: I am good, my friend. How are you?
1: I'm all right, not too bad. Mustn't grumble.
0: Good, good. Do you see my uh, my thing there in the in the notes, Stacy in a game shop. I, I do. It's much like a bull in a china shop.
1: <laughs> I that wasn't what I was expecting to happen. I was expecting Stacy in a game shop to be more like a very quiet, silent board thing in a China shop.
0: (laughs) Well, so we went and visited my mother-in-law this past weekend and she lives about an hour away. And so while we were there, she and Stacy wanted to go to this like unique furniture store. It's in this small little town outside of her slightly less small little town. So, uh, you know we drove over there and I, Molly and I putzed around in the in the furniture shop for a little bit and then we grew bored and there was a a game shop like a board game and um retro video game lounge or something like that it had in there as well and so I was like you want to go check that out and so Molly and I went over and I I was taking pictures of all the just like all the racks of board games and stuff and sending them to you as you know and eventually, Stacy and her mom. You have a. Can,
1: I only saw one picture. I thought
0: I sent you like three at least. I sent I you the. Know, I yeah, know. I sent you like at least three. <laughs> it's not surprising that you. <laughs>
1: you no no no, but I'm, I'm, I'm honestly because I remember in the text thread you referenced something. You said like which one? And I was like, oh, you've only sent me so one maybe only picture. one
0: came through. Uh-huh. Huh. I was sending you – I sent you at least three if not four pictures from that trip. I
1: I would – if I knew how to do it, I would send you a screen capture of my screen (laughs) so that you could see that I am not lying to you. You only sent me one picture.
0: Uh, Well (laughs) – eventually but you liked it it was fun it it was it was fun it was it was pretty cool they had a room with board games already open Open so that you could
1: play play them them. and
0: try them out and stuff
1: i love board game shops
0: yes i I know you do and uh so molly and i were just walking around looking at games because the boxes are one of the coolest things about games you know like the the art on the front of the boxes that can be really cool So we were just looking around, and of course Molly, who isn't really much of a board game fan, really wanted to buy a board game simply because we were in that shop at the time. But they were quite pricey, so (laughs) we were just doing some window shopping.
1: (laughs) You definitely want to do some research before you just go out and buy a board game. Yes,
0: but Stacey and her mom eventually came in, and she happened to walk up to me right as I was taking a picture of the Game of Thrones uh, Settlers of Catan is that the one that came through? No, no. It was the no. other one. It was... Okay. So I, I took a picture of that and, and sent it to you, which apparently you never got. And uh, right then... So I put I put the box back, and she picks it up and looks at it. And in a place that had many men who are just ready to play Warhammer... Is it 40,000
1: or whatever? Yes, yes, yes.
0: There was a large group of men just ready to play that. She takes the box, turns it over, and says... It's <laughs> way too loud a voice. It says it's for two to six dorks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes.
1: Did they come running over to take it? Ooh, <laughs> let me try.
0: <laughs> I was like, well, "You, you got to watch your audience here. <laughs> this is not the place to be shouting out two to six dorks." <laughs> uh. Uh, It it reminded me of that time that you and Ethan and I were playing the Mountains of Madness board game, and we really needed to find the tools uh, in the game. We had to find these tools, and Stacy walked through and deadpanned, I see three right here.
1: i remember it well it, it it still hurts just a little bit i think i think the worst part about that was we, we needed a certain number of tools so we were like we need four tools we need four tools and she was like well i see three <laughs> yes that's what it was Ah, <laughs> oh, man your wife is she's 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 a one she's she'll knock us down a peg or two <laughs> all right well I haven't been in a retail outlet for 10 months, so I don't have such stories. You
0: don't have a retail story.
1: No. I can't believe there were people in it. I know. That's interesting.
0: I was surprised. They were all masked, thankfully, but I was surprised at how many guys were in the in the section mm-hmm. where they play that game.
1: Well, let's get down to business. Uh, how did we leave Tyrion Lannister? Uh, Technically, the last Tyrion chapter we, was him being sent to King's Landing by his father, but since then, he appeared in the last chapter, which was Sansa. Uh, he arrived in King's Landing to disrupt and enliven Joffrey's name dead celebrations. So, McKelly, why don't we give them a summary of this chapter?
0: Okay. Tyrion, after a tense confrontation at the door with Sir Mandan Moore of the Kingsguard, enters the chambers of the small council. Just like her son, Cersei's greeting is an incredulous, You! Tyrion, after commenting on the similarities between the two greetings, produces the letter from their father. An inspection of the seal suggests that it's genuine. Cersei reads with the disbelief that Tywin wants Tyrion to be Hand of the King.
1: Pycelle offers greetings. Slint welcomes Tyrion, hopes he can bring order to King's Landing. Cersei reckons that Tyrion could serve better on the battlefield, but he says that he's done with fighting. Little Finger comments that Tyrion is a man after his own heart. Tyrion is reminded that he owns, owes Baelish a chat about a certain dagger. Tyrion kicks everyone else out so he and his sister can have a private chat.
0: Once alone, Cersei rails against her order, being ignored. Tyrion tries to calm her. While she can ignore the letter and throw him in the dungeon, he's here to help. He understands she misses Jamie and promises to get him back. They may have lost Ned, but they have the daughters. Cersei, of course, then reveals she only has Sansa.
1: They then talk about who they can trust on the small council. Cersei points out that the strategic missteps, the recent strategic missteps, have really been Joffrey's alone. Tyrion questions Slint's elevation... Cersei explains that Baelish had to promise him the moon to ensure the transition of power went in their favor. She reveals that it still might not have worked, but for Sansa's treachery.
0: Cersei wanted Jaime on the small council, and Joffrey wanted the Hound and the Kingsguard. There, so Varys, therefore, suggested the removal of Varys and Selmy. They had thought he'd have taken the generous retirement package, but as we know, he didn't. Tyrion conjectures the image of Robb Stark or Renly Baratheon riding into battle with the beloved living legend Selmy at his right hand. Cersei admits to not having thought that one through, but Tywin certainly did, hence Tyrion's presence in King's Landing.
1: Tyrion thinks he might get through to Joffrey because the king is afraid that his uncle would hurt him. Cersei bridles, but Tyrion points out that he wouldn't actually hurt him, but Joffrey doesn't know that. The imp asks Cersei for an honest answer about John Arryn's death. She says that she has no idea. Gumshoe Tyrion also asks about Robert's death. She admits to helping him get drunk via Lancel, but the boar did the rest.
0: Tyrion leaves and orders Bronn to garrison the troops in the barracks of the Tower of the Hand. He rides back through the city in the company of Vilar, the captain of the Lannister household guard. The new hand orders... The heads be removed from the spikes and given proper funeral rites. Vilar is hesitant given Joffrey's orders, but Tyrion insists. They see signs of privation and suffering throughout the city. Vilar can't come up with many examples of what's being done to help the people, but plenty of ways in which the city is being prepared for battle.
1: At the broken anvil inn, Tyrion sends Vilar away. Inside he finds Shay with several of the Black Ears and Lord Varys. Tyrion is amazed and wonders if he has a spy in his own ranks. Varys and Tyrion issue some veiled threats before the unit bids his farewell. Shea and Tyrion make love, and he describes his plan to move into the Tower of the Hand and do some justice.
0: Yeah, pick, picked up right where it left off. We left off yes, um, Sansa. Tyrion it was, like, was,
1: it was walking like the, the baton the... was passed. You know? <laughs> I've, I've had my moment in the sun. Away you go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back.
0: Hello friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghost of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Yeah, you know, you really do see in this chapter just how full of Lannister lackeys and Lannisters this small council is becoming. We've got Pycelle and Slint, both yeah. very much in the Lannister pocket. Then yeah. we've got Cersei, Tyrion, Tywin, all Lannisters.
1: Uh-huh.
0: We've got Varys playing his own game with Illyrio Mopatis. We don't know exactly what the details of it right. are yet, but right. and then we've got Lannis- um, Littlefinger playing. Seems to be playing at something that he's keeping to
1: himself so far, right? Uh, pitting... But for now, he's certainly helping the Lannisters.
0: It seems like it. Yes, while yeah. it, while it fits him, it seems that he's helping the the yeah. Lannisters.
1: And I don't know if you misspoke, but also on the small council, but not present, is Jamie. Oh yes, yes, I forgot.
0: I right, forgot so, Jamie. Yes,
1: but but I think you you subbed in Tywin, who mm. technically Tywin and Tyrion wouldn't both be on there together because right. Tywin will one day be Hand of the King, and Tyrion's just standing in for him. Yes, good point. But but you're right. There's not a lot of dissenting voices there. No, there's not. I mean, I think not. both both Varys and Littlefinger are willing to. Speak truth to power, but they're also very smart and won't do it unless there's a very good reason to do it.
0: Yes, if it if it fits what they need, then maybe right. They'll... But <laughs> yes. the whole checks and balances thing is a little lacking oh, on yeah. the small council. At the yeah, moment.
1: for sure. So, so I wanted to say that. So, the first part of the chapter is is the, uh, Tyrion trying to get into the small council, and Mandon Moore is trying to keep him out. And Tyrion's got uh, both Bronn and uh, which one of them. Timot, timid son of Timot, yes with him so he's got some backup but Manda Moore is kind of like you're not coming in i've been told to not let anyone in and i have a lot of sympathy for him here because uh-huh. if you've been told by a person in authority not to let anyone in and then someone else in authority but slightly less demands to be let in what are you supposed to do that's you know? quite you're the like, quandary yeah. exactly so I, I have I have some sympathy. Of course I say that but he does have sort of like the cold dead shark eyes and he's mean to Sansa. So I don't have a lot of sympathy right. for him. But, but but his plight here was difficult. But what's interesting to me is that he he seems like he's not going to let them in until Tyrion basically threatens him. He basically points out the um fighting strength of his two companions. Right. And then Moore, without any obvious changing facial features lets them in. Yeah, or let's Tyrion in anyway. Right, I mean he says the others have to stay outside, but so it's like he backed down. It's like he was like physically afraid and backed down.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's either he decided at that moment, all right, whatever, just <laughs> yeah, go. It's just not worth it. <laughs> but but like uh, like Tyrion describes in this chapter, you can never tell with Sir Mandonmore Moore because right. as Jamie says, his facial expressions. Never change. Jamie, T- Tyrion mentions in this chapter that Jamie has said that aside aside from himself, uh, Mandon Moore is the most dangerous of the Kingsguard because you never yeah. know what he's thinking because his facial expressions never change. And I thought that they might want to rename him Sir Mandon of the Felt Table because he would make an excellent poker player with that uh, with that facial, that poker face that he's got. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't understand that. I saw that in the notes, and I was like, "Why would he be good at pool or snooker?" I don't, I don't understand. Different
0: felt table.
1: <laughs> I see, I see what you're saying.
0: No, they yeah. mention the the way that Tyrion intimidates or tries, at least. It's hard to tell whether he was successful in that or not. But
1: the way he well, he got through the door, so he was
0: that <laughs> <Right>. successful. <laughs> the way he he uh, gives a subtle threat to Sir Mandon is that he mentions that Bronn. Uh well, he doesn't actually come out and say that Bron killed Sir Vardis Egan. He says, To Mandon, do you know Vardis Egan? And he's like, Yes, I'm familiar with him. And Bron says, uh, was in past tense, so I can't remember exactly how he does it, but somehow refers to him in the past tense to say, Yeah, he's dead now.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> A little background on that, which um wasn't enough to actually go in the background chapter, but Sir Mandan Moore is from the Vale. And he came to King's Landing with John Aaron and was oh. made a King's Guard by Robert when he arrived with John Aaron. But also, that neither of those two men, John Aaron or Robert, were very fond of Sir Mindenmore. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be buddies with your bodyguard.
0: Right. But so he would know him because, you know, they would have come to King's he, he Landing. He
1: would know Vardis Egan, you mean? Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, once inside, Tyrion sees that Cersei has taken the king's seat, inferring that Joffrey doesn't often attend the small council meetings.
0: Like father, like son, or
1: right, pretend <laughs> fake son. Yes. <laughs> he, well, he, again, he doesn't know. He's he's following the footsteps of the man he believes his father. Right. Um and one thing I notice as soon as they start talking in the in the small council meeting is how Janice Slint appears to be entirely out of his depth. The first thing he says to Tyrion is that he complains about the one thing that he ought to be in charge of, which is order in the city. Right. And <laughs> yeah, Cersei, first <laughs> Cersei flares up at that. She's like you know, she's like, You're the commander of the City Watch. <laughs> Why are you asking this Pipsqueak?
0: Yeah, that uh, was
1: funny. It, I think she's beginning to realize that that this deal they struck with Slim, they burdened themselves with an idiot, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that um if they had put any thought into that, they might have seen that coming, but I guess maybe they felt they didn't have a choice. They needed to go all in, back to the poker reference, to make sure they got his uh his loyalty instead of Ned.
1: Right. And, and, and I mean, some of it is she puts the blame on Baelish. I mean, she says, you know, Baelish was in charge of making sure we got the City Watch. He didn't strike a very good bargain, it seems. You, right. know? you yeah. feel like they could have been bought for some money, but he threw in a seat on the small council and Harrenhal, which is like... <laughs> the biggest bribe of all time.
0: Yeah. It is like being at uh, an auction and someone bets like $5 on something and you're like $10,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, you skipped a few steps here. <laughs> but uh he mentioned he also mentions aside from the the trouble in the in the city, he also mentions the grim omen in the sky, which is very different from how sir aris Ocart described it last chapter he described it as a as heralding king joffrey uh, his ascent to the iron throne janice lint yeah. doesn't see it quite so positive here right
1: and and whichever way you see it the way you voice it to cersei is the way aris it <laughs> yes even sansa <laughs> picked
0: up on that last chapter right. she was like i bet that's what they tell joffrey anyway <laughs>
1: No, not Janus Slynt. He's like, he's calling it like he sees it. And he sees it the stupid way.
0: In fact, Varys later in this chapter says that the small folk call the comet the Red Messenger and that it's a herald before the king to warn of fire and blood to follow. So I guess it's very mixed. At least he wasn't saying that to Cersei.
1: (laughs) <laughs> right, and the other thing is that particular statement. You can you can twist it either way. I mean, you could say, you know, he he's going to cement his throne in fire and blood. It's right. going to take that to rid the kingdom of the rest of them. But he's going to do it. You know? Yes,
0: you could definitely spin it that way.
1: Yeah. So Cersei's not happy that Tyrion has brought only a small contingent of troops with him, the uh, various mountain tribes. Um, she had demanded the entire uh, Western Army to come down to King's Landing.
0: Yes, which we talked so, about last chapter was was not a great idea, possibly.
1: Right, exactly. But the other thing is, she got a, she has to know her father. I don't know if we talked about this, but I mean, her father is just going to. She's like her father; she doesn't take very well to being told what to do. You know, right? Neither would he. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And you've got to you've got to defer to him because he's he's in the field making the decisions. You know, uh,
0: she probably I, I, should have started by calling him daddy. Yes, as, that, that. as the father of a daughter, I could tell you that's a particularly effective word. <laughs> daddy, can you, daddy, can daddy? I? What do you want? <laughs> uh, as you mentioned in the summary, uh, Cersei suggests that. Tyrion could better serve them on the battlefield, and uh I was wondering if maybe that was a a, a subtle statement that he would be most useful dead because he, <laughs> yeah. he got lucky in the one battle he was in that he yes didn't he die. did
1: <laughs> yes, he did yeah uh yeah, I hadn't really thought of it, but yeah, that is what she's saying because he will be no use on the battlefield. she just wishes he was on a battlefield because...
0: right left on the battlefield, possibly. So you alluded to this a little bit in the um, summary, but uh, Tyrion mentions that he was not suited for the battlefield, and he, he goes into reasons why. And, uh, but then he says uh, that his time on the battlefield was significantly better than his treatment was in the Eyrie. And uh, Littlefinger, of course, laughs and commiserates and says, man, after my own heart. And that's when he thinks about the uh, the conversation they're going to have to have about the dagger and he wonders if he'll um, find it quite as humorous. And uh I thought yeah. the dagger's kind of a it's it's bounced around a lot, so I thought maybe we could do a quick recap of Yeah, yeah, it's good. Of the uh the history behind it. So if you remember, a man tried to kill Bran in Winterfell using this dagger, but Kat and Summer, the direwolf, rescued Bran and but Kat cut her hands in the process. She then believed that This dagger had Lannister involvement. So she and Sir Roderick Cassell sailed to King's Landing to both warn and inform Ned of what's going on. In King's Landing, Sir Roderick talked with Aaron Santigar, the master at arms of the Red Keep. Varys discovers that Kat is in King's Landing due to due to hearing this conversation between. Or at least we believe it was due to the conversation between Sir Roderick and Aaron Santagar And he tells uh, Littlefinger that Cat is in King's Landing. Littlefinger has Cat brought to him and uh, tells Cat that the dagger was his. He lost it in a bet to Tyrion, where Littlefinger bet on Jamie, and Tyrion bet on the Knight of Flowers. It was in a tournament for uh, one of Joffrey's name days. Littlefinger then brings... Ned to Cat in a brothel, and tells the two of them that the dagger can't prove anything about the Lannisters, and their best option would be to just throw the dagger into the river. So,
1: who said that? Ned Little Fing- Littlefinger. Said, Littlefinger said it. Said it. Yeah.
0: So, so, so he announced whose it was, but then said it doesn't prove anything. Ned. Yes. Yes. However, Ned decides to keep the dagger, and Cat later on believing that Tyrion owned the dagger because that's what Littlefinger told him takes Tyrion captive at the Inn at the Crossroads. She then transports him to the Vale. On the way to the Vale, Tyrion insists to her that he's never seen this dagger and he would always bet on his brother Jaime.
1: Right, and, and one other thing he says, which made sense at the time, was he said, why would I send my own dagger with the assassin? Right. I... <laughs> that's
0: crazy. Very solid point there. The last we've seen of this dagger is when Littlefinger turns on Ned in the throne room when Ned believes that the gold cloaks are are on his side because Littlefinger had paid them to do so. Littlefinger pulls the dagger from Ned's belt and puts it to his neck. So in some ways, this whole war started with this dagger.
1: Yeah, and yeah, Ned's so-
0: execution didn't didn't uh, help matters for sure
1: <laughs> the dagger was a step on the road to the execution yes. but yes but Tyrion's
0: the, um, had a particularly bad go of things because of Littlefinger's story about the dagger
1: <laughs> right which which Tyrion almost uniquely knows is a bald-faced lie right. nobody else could say it was a lie but Tyrion absolutely knows it was a lie yes told by Peter Baelish to get Tyrion Lannister into trouble I can't imagine that they are going to have a very good relationship.
0: <laughs> Definitely, a, a lot of drama going on there. That's for sure, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I in, in saying all that, I'd forgotten how bad Tyrion's treatment was in the Eerie. You know, I and mean, the whole Sky Cell was just awful. I mean, yeah. terrifying and with Mord. With Mord, exactly. Who'd want that? If I were Tyrion, I would be very unforgiving. Yes. <laughs> I, I certainly would be more forgiving towards Cat Stark than I would towards Peter Baelish. Absolutely. Because
0: Cat Stark she... was misinformed. Exactly. Peter Baelish, and, bold-faced, and... lied right, about exactly.
1: him. And 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 almost anybody else in the kingdom might think that Peter Baelish was mistaken or was telling the truth because they right. don't know different. But Tyrion Lannister is the one person who knows for a fact that that was a lie intended to make his life miserable. Yep. I... uh. I might, th- if I were Peter Baelish, I might make tracks out of here. <laughs>
0: yeah, really. <laughs> uh, I I don't know that Peter Baelish swings uh, swings that way, though. I think he uh, he's he's a smooth, quick talker. He might be able to yeah. talk his way out of this.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Indeed, it'll be a, it will be an interesting conversation when it comes up.
0: So now Cersei wants to get all. Uh, Rule following here. She cites the laws that only a king can name a hand of the king. And Tywin can't do so without Joffrey's consent. So now she wants to play by the rules. (laughs) We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook, or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL audibletrial.com slash ghosts Heronhall. you can find the link in our show notes
1: I, I've noticed that sort of in the history of tyrants they typically want the rules followed when the rules work in their favor yes <laughs>
0: <This is laughs> uh, I'm not sure where those rule, that rule following stuff went when Ned was king regent and, oh uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah that wasn't really working in her favor at that point
0: no it wasn't yeah. but, but then Tyrion asks for a moment. Uh, he asks if the room can be p- cleared so he can talk privately with his sister. And if you notice, Varys is very quick to react to this request. Uh, and yeah, he kind of... the you first know, to move, yeah. Yes, he's the first to move. He says, the, the troubles of the realm will wait. Let's give these two siblings a moment of time. And I, I like the way that it was worded that he slithered to his feet. Mm-hmm. That was that's kind of a cool way of saying that. And I wondered, why was he so quick to give them this alone time? I mean, I'm sure it's the hand of the king and the queen regent. They could have cleared the room if they wanted to. (laughs) He jumped up and was like...
1: (laughs) Well, you've made the point before. There's lots of Lannister lackeys in that room. You want to be the first to jump when they... true, true.
0: (laughs) But I was wondering if maybe, you know, he is the master of whispers. He might have some way of listening into this conversation. We know that Megor had secret rooms and tunnels and stuff put in the Red Keep. That's why he killed all the the builders after the it was builders, finished, so yeah. only he would know the secrets. So, so maybe Varys has found some way to listen in to conversations in this room. So he's very anxious to get everyone out so that he can hear what's being said. Possibly, uh, it's just a yep, yeah,
1: yeah, That's conjecture. Possible. As Baelish leaves the room, he asks Tyrion about his living arrangements, and Tyrion says sort of archly that he's going to be using the Tower of the Hand, being the Hand of the King and all, and Littlefinger, perhaps recalling the trouble that he's caused for Tyrion Lannister, tries to sort of intimidate him a little by reminding him that several of the recent occupants of said Hand have reached an untimely end.
0: Right. Yes, well, uh,
1: he says two Ned Stark and Jon Arryn being the two most recent. Yep. But then
0: uh, Tyrion it, says it's, four. Tyrion
1: points out it's the yes. last four have all met bad ends.
0: Yes, and we we've, we'll talk more about those uh, folks in the background. But yeah, um, I was a little bit surprised that Littlefinger didn't know his history well enough to know, you know, the fates of the last few hands of the king i guess maybe he wasn't paying attention but he seems like a pretty educated guy
1: john aaron's been down there for a long time though hasn't he i mean
0: yeah like 15 years
1: yeah so peter baelish is quite young he probably peter baelish probably came to king's landing after john aaron was already ensconced and so yeah. he never really thought about prior hands of the king
0: that's a good point point. and as we'll learn um some of them weren't in position for very long
1: Right. <laughs> I have to say it surprised me because I thought that the prior hand of the king before John Arryn was Tywin Lannister. I was oh, surprised to yes. discover this information.
0: He was one of five. He was the first of five hand of the kings that
1: right.
0: uh, the mad king had.
1: He was he was the last one not to meet a sticky end.
0: <laughs> right. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so Cersei sort of doubles down When they're alone, she doubles down on being mad at her father. She said, as regent, I sent for father. It was a royal command, and instead he inflicted me with you.
0: Yeah, and and then Tyrion says that he can ignore you. He can do that because he's got a large army. And then he says, nor is he the first, is he? And I've spent a week trying to figure out exactly what he's talking about. And the best I can do is some ideas. So I would love to know if if our listeners have any thoughts on exactly what he's referencing. I, I was thinking maybe it's in reference to Joff executing Ned, that his, her son, the current King ignored her, maybe Robert ignoring her as queen. Maybe she told Jamie not to leave King's Landing and he did or wrote Jamie to come back and he hasn't. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by, nor is he the first, is he?
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be all of those things. I mean, that would be my initial take as I read it. I thought he was talking about Robert Baratheon mistreating her and ignoring her as queen. But now you've listed them out. I think the one that was probably foremost in his mind when he said it was Joffrey ignoring her when she said, don't cut Ned's head off.
0: Yes, which is a big one. (laughs) It's a
1: big one. It's (laughs) It's a a big big and important one. Yeah.
0: Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it is a little ambiguous, but such as... Any
0: the... listeners have any ideas? Let us know. I'd, I'd be interested to hear.
1: I, I thought you were going to pause to listen then. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know they're not with us right this <laughs> second. Um, I, I will say, I skipped over one interesting tidbit in the summary, which was that Cersei mentions that the High Septon of the Faith of the Seven is now mad at them for profaning the Sept of Baelor with Ned's beheading. Sure. So I wonder if that's a, a sign that trouble might brew between the church and the state. We haven't really seen anything of the church yet. It seems fairly benign and not very powerful.
0: Right, so but, far, yeah.
1: But the thing about churches is they have they have a deeper connection with the people than typically royals do. Right. Yeah. Especially rotten royals like these lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. We'll have to keep an eye on whether that uh, that's the start of something there. He's, and Cersei admits, so she and Tyrion are having this conversation, basically like, hey, so tell me how this guy died and tell me what happened here. And she's answering <laughs> his questions. And she he says, don't worry. I promise you I'm going to get Jamie back because I'm just going to trade the two Stark girls for Jamie. And she's like, well, you see, the thing is this.
1: <laughs>
0: I've only got one of them. She, she says that, you know, Arya, she doesn't have Arya. She assumes that she's likely dead because a lot of people died in the storming, the Lannister storming of the Tower of the Hand. And she says that she sent her Mandin to get her, but her dancing master interfered. And I was like, again with the believing the dancing master story. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> has she never met but, Arya? <laughs> but maybe see maybe they mean water dancing maybe she knows this maybe everybody (laughs) only Sansa doesn't know that dancing means water dancing in this case it could be yeah
0: because he refers to himself as the first hand of um it's not first hand the first sword of Bravos in that scene with uh, Sir and Trant so maybe Sir Marin Trant didn't give all the details like but this guy was really good (laughs) he he wasn't your typical dancer he was amazingly good with a wooden stick (laughs) he
1: he climbed up the walls and all kinds of stuff (laughs) yes um one thing actually when they're talking about getting jamie back for the for the star girls One thing that it made me realize is that the one thing that these two have in common, and it's not much because they don't seem to like each other very much, or at least Cersei doesn't like him. I think he kind of likes some aspects of her, but she does not seem to like him at all. Um, The one thing that they have in common is a love for Jaime. Both of them really want Jaime back. I mean, Tyrion is is, is fonder of Jaime than probably Jaime deserves, and we know how Cersei feels about Jaime.
0: (laughs) Right. Indeed.
1: So so Tyrion learns of Sansa's treachery and of course he's very surprised by this and doesn't, you know, it seems like something she wouldn't do but Cersei actually correctly portrays this treacherous act as nothing treacherous at all, just love-struck foolishness basically, she's trying to stay with Joffrey, not get sent home, and she happens to uh, betray her entire family and house and Yes. The North, the Seven Kingdoms, and the gods, both yeah. old and new. <laughs> <laughs> she
0: betrayed basically everything you can betray. Right. Yeah, the way Sansa or the way Cersei first worded it, it did seem like, you know, if you were Tyrion, you'd be like, wow, I would not have seen that coming. Sansa betrayed her own father? But then when you dig a little bit under the surface, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. She was just a, a love struck child who. Yeah. Happened to accidentally divulge some very important information. <laughs>
1: but but some of, the, some of the things that have been going on have made me sort of like think, I mean, I think there's definitely a, an element of a lack of empathy in Cersei Lannister. She doesn't really seem to understand other people's emotions, yeah. but not recognizing that Sansa Stark might be mad at Joffrey Baratheon is a pretty big oversight. You'd have to be pretty blind to other people's feelings if you couldn't predict that one. But the actions so far since the beheading towards Sansa have seemed to suggest that nobody's thought of it. But Cersei has, because she reveals to Tyrion that, she, that the love between Sansa and Joffrey is entirely gone because of this. She yes. knows. She's just trying to keep her sweet by pretending everything could still work out.
0: Right. Yes, I think she says something like, that that came to a quick end when he <laughs> cut her father's head off and called it mercy.
1: Yes, yes.
0: But Cersei says that, um, back, to, back to the whole Jaina Slint thing, Cersei says that they needed Slint in the gold cloaks because Ned was plotting with Renly and had written to Stannis. Now, we know she'd know about writing to Stannis because Fat Tom had the letter on him, so if they checked his body, they'd find the letter. But the Ned plotting with Renly thing, I'm wondering if she actually believes that. If so, maybe Littlefinger told her that to turn her against Renly more than the others, than she might have otherwise done. Because Renly, up until he named himself King, had really just left town. He hadn't done anything treasonous. He did now. but
1: Yeah, but that's the thing. He has done now. Yes. I think. I think... She'd never thought Ned was plotting with Renly. In fact, the letter to Stannis completely disproves that. Right. If you were plotting with Renly, the last thing you would do is write to his big brother and say, hey, you're the king. You're a king. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: But now it suits her her ends to say that he was plotting with Renly because Renly has declared himself king. So.
0: Yes, that was the other thing I was wondering. Is she just saying that to increase her rationale for promoting slint? like? You know, you should have seen all the stuff that this Ned Stark was up to. He was prodding with Renly over here, and he was writing letters to Stannis over here. We had no choice.
1: Yeah, because because Tyrion's met Ned, and he knows what a scheming, conniving... Uh... <laughs> right,
0: you know those Starks. <laughs>
1: ...double dealer that Ned Stark was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah. But but yeah, I mean, the thing was, they did need Slyt. I mean, they absolutely did, but it just feels like, it feels like, In some ways, it feels so overblown, what was given to him, that Baelish did it on purpose.
0: Oh, I see what you're getting
1: at, yeah. Well, I I don't know what I'm getting at. I'm just saying it's just so much more than was needed. Yeah. So why did he do it? Maybe Slint is actually a Baelish loyalist on that small council.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah. At at the very least, it's another fly in the ointment. He seems to be liking to create tension, friction, and chaos,
1: especially
0: like, between the the major houses like the, the Lannisters thing, and the Starks.
1: Yeah, the other thing you might say is, you might look at that small council, if you're Peter Baelish, and think I might be the most expendable person on this small council. I need someone worse than me.
0: That's right. You don't have to be the fastest. You just have to right. be the, not the slowest. Not the slowest, exactly. <laughs> to outrun the so,
1: lion. <laughs> so, so you recruit Janice Slim and you suddenly look like you're a genius, you know? <laughs> uh,
0: so then, then uh, Tyrion asks Cersei, whose brainchild was it to remove... Sir and Selmy, the living legend that he is. And she says it was Varys's idea, because as we mentioned in the summary, uh, Joff wanted someone to blame, and he wanted to promote the Hound to the Kingsguard, and right. Cersei wanted Jaime to be Lord Commander. On the Commander. small council. I mean, on, yeah, you, on the small council, so how do you do that? You. Promote him to Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. And I wondered why Varys would suggest this. He He had to have a reason, because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just throw an idea out there for no reason.
1: Well, I, th- I think you've just answered that, haven't you? Cersei and Joffrey wanted things. And there was one solution to both of those problems.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Yeah, And so Varys, again, going with the prevailing wind, said, I think I can help you. I've come up with a brilliant scheme.
0: Yeah, he had to have seen the... How that could backfire on them, though. But oh, I guess...
1: I'm guess i sure Varys saw it.
0: Yes, they didn't know what you're getting at.
1: <laughs> they did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is tricky because, because, again, we're not sure where Varys' true loyalties lie. Right. But he is a slick mover. And like you said, those two things came to fruition very simply by getting rid of Varys and Selmy. And so yeah. if, if I'm Varys and I don't have any great loyalty and I don't really care what happens to Barrister and Selmy, if he ends up riding with Renly, fine, I don't care, then it's a great solution for Varys.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You look good, you look smart.
0: Yeah, I wondered if there was any... We know he's involved in some sort of what appears to be a Targaryen reemergence plot with Lyria Muppatus. So I was wondering if he, if there was anything in play involving that. Maybe just simply removing a major asset from the Lannisters.
1: Very true, very true. Yes, just undermine the Lannisters by taking away someone who would have been great for them.
0: Yes, because mm-hmm. he, w- he was a intelligent, sound voice, responsible and honorable voice on this small council. He probably would want to quit after he sat at this table for an hour. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> but then I wondered, would Selmy join the others cause? Not the others with a capital L, but uh, Renly, Robert, Stannis. Would he join their cause? If I feel like if he believed Joffrey to be the true king, that Selmy would be too honorable to back a pretender or a usurper. He only joined Robert's staff after he fought almost to the death for Ares Targaryen and was yes, yes, pardoned yeah. by Robert.
1: Yeah, but of course, the, the, the fly in that ointment is, Joffrey isn't the true king. Yes, so, but I don't think Barristan knows that. <laughs> right, but when Barristan bumps into other parties, they can say to him, but you can fight for us because... Joffrey once if and when word gets out. I mean that's the still still the thing that hasn't actually happened yet. Yeah. But it's it's a secret that's going to escape, that seems sure. Right. But you're right, he won't do it just because they've slighted him. Because he won't betray his true king. He he would need that information right. to betray
0: them. I agree. But we also discover that he did indeed uh kill the gold cloaks that were sent to capture him after he stormed yeah. off, after he was dismissed. We had talked about not wanting that assignment, not wanting to be those gold cloaks sent to go round him up.
1: Not wanting to be one of two, I mean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you see those 4,000 men you've got standing idle there? <laughs> Could we not spare a couple more? <laughs>
0: right.
1: <laughs> we also notice again how fond Geoffrey is of the Hound, and we've mentioned this before that it's the closest he has to a father figure, and yeah. he and he doesn't ask him to hit Sansa. Joffrey does not ask the Hound to hit Sansa. Yeah, So there's something
0: to that, surely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, we've talked before about how Tyr- Tyrion does appear to have some control of Joffrey when nobody else can. Uh, but now he's in a sort of difficult situation because Cersei didn't like the idea of Tyrion threatening him. But then Tyrion reassured her. He's like... There are going to be threats. He is my nephew, you know, we're actually going to hurt him. I think he says,
0: Uh, he's as safe with you as he is with me. And then he thinks, she missed the point again, like she usually does.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, can Tyrion put him in enough fake peril to actually make him come to heel? It seems unlikely.
0: And I wondered, after reading this sentence... Remember last chapter, the Sansa one, we talked about there being some animosity between Tyrion and the Hound when Tyrion called him Joffrey's cur. And it just seemed to be like, I think Sansa said that Tyrion was looking at the Hound with cold eyes. I wondered if maybe he was trying to generate a feeling of him being some danger to Joffrey, to Joffrey, mm, you know, maybe. getting that vibe of, I will hurt you. If I need to.
1: Yeah. Tyrion then becomes, you know, he really gets into sort of like uh, detective mode. And he talks to Cersei, Tyrion talks to Cersei about uh, Robert, uh, sorry, Robert Baratheon's death. And Cersei basically confesses to her complicity in that. I mean, she, the, the wine that he was being plied with by her cousin, Lancel, was three times the normal strength. They were intentionally getting him drunk while he was doing something very dangerous.
0: That that tends to lead to bad outcomes.
1: Right, right. So, but she's not embarrassed about it. She's happy she did it.
0: Yeah, and just like Varys said to Ned in the dungeon, they were going to get him killed one way or another. Right, He's a guy yeah. who had an appetite for dangerous things. Yeah. You know, maybe it would have been a an arrow that went astray next time or, you know, one way or another, they were going to find a way to get him killed. But as much as he, she admits to that, she continues to deny involvement in John Aaron's death.
1: Yeah. I got to say, I I believe her. I mean, that's the thing. The thing about this book is every one of these characters has moments of honesty and clearly Cersei is being honest here. She has no problem admitting to regicide. Why would right. she care about Handicide, you
0: know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the <laughs> the source of the allegations are becoming less and less credible every time we meet Liza. Well I mean, yes. she's already changed the story from Cersei did it to Tyrion did it. You know, basically any Lannister will do the the first Lannister nearest Lannister, I guess. So either Lysa's very confused, intentionally trying to pin this murder on the Lannisters, or she's just plain crazy.
1: There is there is one character who who it could be, of course, is is Jaime, because Jamie has as much reason to want Jon Arryn silenced as Cersei does, right. namely that he is the father of Joffrey Baratheon and so needs right. to protect that secret. Yeah. And we've never we've never really heard what he was up to or heard a denial from him so he yeah. he's still a candidate.
0: He definitely could be. The only issue there is would would Jamie think to poison someone, you know? He's a grab his sword and fight him kind of guy, but it's definitely possible. He definitely would have well, motive.
1: Yeah. What if you were Jamie Lannister and you went out for a drink with Peter Baelish? And you said to Peter Baelish, you know what? I want that John Arryn gone. And I'll make it worth your while.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Definitely... I, I mean, I got no no evidence for that. I'm just saying. Jamie has a real reason and has never denied it. Because no one's asked him, but right. has never denied it. Cersei yeah. is clearly adamant that it wasn't her. And Certainly. it does feel... And, and just to undermine my own argument, it feels like they would discuss it if the two of them, if either of them knew what John Arryn was discovering, yes. that they would discuss it between themselves and decide on a plan of action together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So that does give me a little bit of... Eh, maybe it wasn't Jaime.
0: Well, just have to keep an eye out, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, when Tyrion leaves Cersei, he rides back through the city with Vilar, who's captain of the Lannister Guard. Uh, more evidence of Cersei's lack of deft and empathy... Uh, Tyrion asks him directly what what is the queen doing about the food shortages and Vilar responds that she's tripled the watch she's bolstering the city defenses and she's commissioned uh, the alchemists to create uh, jars of wildfire for
0: her.
1: None of those three really does much to alleviate the hunger that Tyrion specifically asked about.
0: Not so much. Definitely not a lot of humanitarian uh, acts going on there.
1: It's not the way to win the hearts and minds. And again, just going back to what we mentioned before about the, the church, they have the people's hearts and minds, you know, to a certain extent. Right. and
0: They're probably maybe, feeding the poor as best they can.
1: Right. Exactly. And so it's, it's short-sighted and uh, silly of her.
0: Yep. And compounding it by paying for all of these things that are not helping the people, by a new tax on the people, an enter-the-city tax, where if you want to get in the city... You got to pay a tax. And of right. course, refugees from the war-ravaged riverlands will pay whatever it takes to get their families yeah. on the right side of the uh, King's right. Landing yeah. walls.
1: And Tyrion knows it's extremely effective, but also very cruel to do yes. that, you know?
0: but th- uh What's his name? Vilar mentions that uh, Cersei has the alchemists creating 10,000 jars of wildfire. Now, wildfire, real quick is a volatile flammable liquid that can burn for a really long time once it's set on fire. Now, 10,000 jars is right up there in Mad King territory because the the wording for how many he created uh, had created was he had thousands of jars made in preparation in case there was an attack on King's Landing. So... That might exceed what he had done. What is she going to do with ten thousand jars of wildfire, uh, other than blow up the whole city? You
1: know. Well, I mean, I mean, you'd that's imagine... one way
0: to take care of hungry bellies. True. Just blow you'd them up. You'd imagine
1: that it would, it would be a deterrent to Renly and Stannis should word get out. Yes. Right. And conceivably, you could throw it at them and see what happens. You know. That, that
0: right. Yeah.
1: Could cause some damage.
0: Fling those jars at them.
1: Right. I don't know. It, it, I'm with you though. It's uh, it's a lot of very dangerous material to be indeed inside the castle. So um, Tyrion goes to the Broken Anvil Inn, which is where Shae's ensconced. Uh,
0: yeah, it's near the um, Gate of the Gods, which oh, is in the. Right, yes. If you remember, if you think of King's Landing as a diamond shape, it's the west corner. It's in the west okay. corner. It's it's the one that the Kings Road. Runs into
1: right, 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 and so uh, the reason he's been staying at the Broken Anvil is because he's keeping Shay there because he doesn't want the people inside the Red Keep to know about Shay. When he gets there, Shay is having a drink with Lord Varis. Oh, Maybe man. that's why he wanted to leave the small council meeting so quick because he wanted to get <laughs> that
0: <could> be it. <laughs> Forget the gossip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. So the Tyrion and Varys have what seems on the surface to be an amiable chat, but uh, it has these threatening undertones.
0: Yes, it was one of those conversations that Ned would hate, where they're yes. saying something and meaning something else with yeah. veiled meanings underneath their sayings. Old one steaming of, uh, Ned. Yes. One example, Varys mentions that the carvings on the Gate of the Gods, uh, the gatehouse on the Gate of the Gods, was exquisite, and that the eyes are so expressive and that they follow you as, as you come through. And Tyrion thinks... Yeah, that's not what he's meaning. What he's saying there is not what he's meaning. What he's meaning is, I I had eyes on that gate. I saw you the minute you got into town. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so this is this is a worry for Tyrion because Shay was not supposed to come. Right. I mean, not only is she a vulnerability for Tyrion because he's falling in love with her, but uh, Tywin expressly said she was not to go with him to King's Landing. So he's broken a command Uh from his father so this could definitely be used against him
0: yep exactly and and the thought he has at the end of this chapter here after this scene is that all of his power at the moment comes from his father the same father that specifically forbade him from bringing shay to king's landing so he's in a bit of a vulnerable spot here but you'd have to assume varus was going to figure it out sooner or later maybe not the first night but sooner or later
1: Oh yeah, that's that's the problem, yeah.
0: One one interesting tidbit I learned here was that the black ears don't kill their defeated foes. That's why Chella has all those ears on a chain around her neck. They cut off the ear instead of killing the defeated foe, giving their enemy a chance at revenge and reclaiming their ear. So. so if she loses
1: a battle, she's like, wait a minute, one of these... <laughs> Is this one? Here you go, this one's yours, yeah?
0: <laughs> Let me check. The whole nears up to his head.
1: <laughs> so uh, Varys sets a riddle, and he says in in a, in the a room there are three great men, a king, a priest, and a rich man, and there's a bunch of gold. And between them there's a cell sword. Uh, a little man of common birth with no great mind. And each of the great men bids him to slay the other two king says I'm your lawful ruler the priest commands him in the name of gods and the rich man says all this gold is yours and the question is who survives
0: yeah not not to spoil but we'll get there will be future conversations in this book about this riddle so we'll get Um, more into it as we hear the characters thoughts on it but to me it definitely seems to be about power how you come by it how you wield it what power truly is and that it all depends on what you're motivated by,
1: right? Yeah, and that's what Tyrion says actually. Because Shay thinks the rich man will be the one that lives because that's what the cell sword would gravitate towards. But Tyrion says, "I think it rather depends on the cell sword."
0: Yeah, I wondered. I was thinking that Shay thought it was the rich man because to her, she values money over religion or righteous uh, rule or laws. But I wondered yeah. why. Varys would say this, leave this like parting gift to Tyrion as he's leaving. And I was thinking that maybe, you know, Tyrion is about to enter into the most powerful position he's ever had by far. His other previous job was uh, being in charge of the cisterns and drains at Casterly Rock. so Which he
1: did a good job of. As we he
0: did do a good job, yes. At least in his
1: own opinion. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so maybe he just wanted... Uh, Tyrion to think about power and its source that power's only as good as others as other people's belief in your power regardless of if it's money law religion if the sellsword isn't buying what you're selling you don't have any power yeah so ultimately it's others who decide if you have power or not
1: right and and actually sort of extrapolating what you said about if the sellsword isn't buying what you're selling then you are powerless the only person in the room with actual power is the cell sword himself. Yes,
0: precisely, exactly. Yeah. So, really, the small folk have the power because they are the ones who decide to follow a person's uh, rules. Getting
1: all kinds of philosophical. Here, we yeah, are I like indeed.
0: It. I like it. When I read this, you know, what my first thought was, "I bet our um, Dr. Tammy Milky has some interesting ideas about uh, <laughs> about the, this power riddle."
1: Yeah. But no, but no, I I think you're absolutely right. It's 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 exactly a sort of like a cautionary tale and a warning to Tyrion to think about where his power resides and where it stems from, yep. and how vulnerable it might be to disappearing in a puff of smoke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said you had some background about Hands of the King. I do indeed. Uh, I'll believe it when I hear it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I'll, as I believe Tyrion mentioned in this chapter, and I think you mentioned it earlier, that. Tywin was Ares' last Hand of the King who left his role with everything he brought to it. Uh, the, the, the successors did not have so much luck. So, so after Tywin resigned as King Ares II Targaryens, a.k.a. the Mad Kings, Hand of the King, the king went on a run of Hand of the Kings for two years. First up was Owen Merriweather, Lord of Long Table from the Reach. He was thought to be amiable, but not very capable. After Tywin left King's Landing, King Ares began to focus his mistrust and paranoia on his son, Prince Rhaegar. Lord Meriwether and Grand Maester Pycelle tried to keep the peace between the houses loyal to the king and those loyal to Prince Rhaegar. Now, Owen's downfall as Hand of the King was his inability to squash Robert's rebellion. When Ned, Robert, and Jon Arryn began to make trouble for the crown, Owen wrote some sternly written letters to the lords of the realm, naming the trio outlaws and calling for their heads. Surprisingly, this was not as effective as he may have hoped. Eventually, uh, Mad King Ares began to think that Owen was in league with the rebels and thus had him stripped of his lands and exiled. Of course, when Robert claimed the throne, he did give the Meriwethers their titles and some of their lands back. Now, this he he was hand of the king from sometime in two hundred eighty-one to sometime in two hundred eighty-two. King Ares turned next to John Connington, Lord of Griffin's Roost, which oddly the Conningtons of Griffin's Roost came up last chapter when we were talking about that elderly knight with the Griffins uh, in right. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. his sigil. Yeah. Yeah. We thought maybe he was an offshoot of that house. Um Griffin's Roost is a Stormland house, so that seems kind of surprising, be, being that Robert Baratheon is the, was the Lord of Storm's End at the time. But it makes sense when you dig a little bit deeper, which I'll get to in a second. Unlike Owen, who was old, John was in his early 20s because Ares wanted someone who would better match up with Robert's youth and vigor for his next hand. Now, John was friends with Prince Rhaegar and served at court in King's Landing prior to being named Hand of the King, which is why he chose a Stormlander as yeah. Hand of the King. He was considered a capable warrior and commander and was described as proud and bold and energetic and restless and thirsty for glory. But, unfortunately, his downfall came when he was defeated by Robert Baratheon during the Battle of the Bells. And John was sent into exile in Essos, where he is believed to have drank himself to death. Now, John was handed the king from sometime in 282 to sometime in 283. Next up, King Ares tapped Lord Carlton Chelsted, previously the king's master of coin. Now, Lord Chelsted was a firm supporter of King Ares over his son Rhaegar. But he discovered that the Mad King had a plan to blow the whole city should the rebels try to take King's Landing. And when Lord Chelsted protested the plan and ultimately resigned over it, Ares had him dipped in wildfire and burned alive. Finally, Ares cut to the chase and named a pyromancer named Rosart as Hand of the King. Surely he wouldn't protest the wildfire plans. However, during the sack of King's Landing, Rosart was killed as he rushed to carry out the Mad King's wishes and destroy the city.
1: Okay, so so in actual fact, six hands in a row have had a bad time of it. Yep. But four have died.
0: Yes, four died, two exiled. The first two were exiled. The last four died. One good, dipped good. in uh, wildfire and burned alive. So that's yes. a, that's a rough way to go.
1: That's a rough way to go for sure. Cause it burns for a long time. It does. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get on with things. The comparison with the television show, the scene with Mandan Moore is dropped. Uh, basically anyone could just walk into the small council meeting. There's no door. It was just like, you know. um, the white Raven from the prologue, if you remember in the prologue, yeah. Crescent, um, it appears in the small council meeting. Basically, the small council, they're looking at the white raven announcing that uh, summer has come to an end. Um, was Cersei so as scene,
0: excited as Shireen was about the white raven?
1: She stares at the white raven with disgust.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Quite a different reaction.
1: Yeah. Um, the scene actually has a fair few lines in it before Tyrion's arrival. Again, point of view chapters we don't hear what was said before Tyrion's arrival but here we do uh the small council discusses plans for a long winter because long summers uh pre- presage long winters right. but interestingly in the tv show pycelle says that uh that's just a uh superstition of the common folk but, okay yeah but i i thought that was true i thought that was known
0: i think Cresson said that the small folk believe that as well Okay, and Maybe so, yeah. there's some anecdotal evidence to support it.
1: So Bailey says that they have grain for five years, um, and after that there'll be less small folk to worry about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Slint complains of the flood of refugees. Cersei tells him to lock them out. The peasants belong in the fields. She's got a point. Uh, but also, the same look of disgust she's pointing at the raven, she also points at Slint at that point.
0: Uh <laughs> One more deserved than the other.
1: <laughs> yes. Tyrion wanders in and he never has a line with Peter Baelish, but he shoots him a look oh, on his way in. Okay.
0: Uh-huh. You can do that uh, in a visual medium like television.
1: Exactly. Uh <laughs> Cersei turfs everybody out. Not Tyrion. Tyrion doesn't ask for a private conversation. Cersei kicks them all out when she reads the letter from her father. Uh their conversation is a bit different, more tactical about getting Jamie back. Great look on Tyrion's face when he discovers there's only one Stark in custody. Uh. <laughs> uh, and not as much about how he'll bring Joffrey to heel. So, uh, then Tyrion next goes to join Shae, but in the Tower of the Hand. He's already moved into the Tower of the Hand and Shay's in there with him, which is uh, no sign of Varys in that scene. Ah, uh, oh, okay. Seems a bit blasé, you know? I mean, like, he yeah. knows she's not supposed to be there. I wouldn't bring her to the Tower of the Hand. Right. So, yeah. But, I mean, again, pretty much pretty much, the scene was there. To pedantry, um, if Tyrion was concerned to keep Shae's presence in King Landing a secret, and he clearly was, why did he ride back through the city with a complete stranger?
0: Right. Cersei could have said, where was he going? He's going to a Rah- brothel. Send some people to that brothel to see what's going on there.
1: <laughs> right. It seemed very strange to me. I mean, like, he he was very concerned. He didn't want anyone to know. But he, he got rid of Bronn. He lost him, but he, he left Bronn to sort of deal with logistics of uh, sequestering the men. But, like, he could have ridden back with Bronn.
0: Yeah. Bronn already it, knew. It wasn't even just Vilar, it was several members of the um stark lannister i mean mean the lannister household guard i believe so
1: right and not one of them not one of them would have a reason to keep that news from cersei if she asked
0: right and of course she might just he mentioned during the conversation he would rather visit a brothel than have relations with her uh when they're talking about her and jamie so maybe she just thinks oh that's my gross little brother going to a brothel
1: yeah all right news and notes what we got
0: So one thing we thought we would start doing during this section is reading some uh, reviews that you have sent us that you have posted at various locations where you can leave reviews, maybe in an effort to entice people to write more reviews. So this first one here, I just picked at random. And this was from uh, this was on Apple Podcasts, And the reviewer's name is Ms. ShyTown. town. And this was left on January 10th of this year. The review is titled My New Favorite Podcast. Woo-hoo! So <laughs> Woo-hoo! it goes a little something like this. I've been trying to read through the series for years in all caps and just couldn't get through it. Although I've seen the show several times. I decided to buckle down and do a mixture of reading and listening to the audiobooks because let's be real, brand chapters are boring. That was Ms. Shy Town, not me, although I might agree. <laughs> 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 and stumbled onto this podcast. The hosts are so charming. Oh! Did, did I? That was there. I promise. I didn't add it. That was, that was your
1: favorite line, was it? Yeah.
0: The hosts are so charming and have really great chemistry. Do you know how many people tell me that?
1: People that tell is. us that we have great chemistry. I, I, I get slightly embarrassed by it, honestly. I'm a little bit worried.
0: <laughs> uh, the content is amazingly helpful, and I look forward to continuing the journey.
1: Well, that mm. is very nice. That is,
0: thank you, Ms. Shy Town. That yeah. that makes me blush. That was it makes yeah lovely to read. It was. And if you would like uh, your review read on uh, on
1: here, just go write
0: one, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll pick one at random.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's conclude. So Tyrion okay. has for now a slippery hold of the leaves of power, and he promises to do justice, but. Uh... Can he? Does he have enough power? Ugh. Which Which of the characters in the room is he? He's certainly right. not the Cell Sword, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe he's the Maybe he's the Pot of Gold. Maybe. maybe right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, he's got an uphill uphill job. That's for sure. Yeah. There's a, a lot of bad decisions have been made. It's quite the mess that he will have to dig uh, out of, but. You know, he's a smart guy. I mean, we've not gotten to see him in in actual action in any kind of capacity, but we believe him to be. He's a witty guy. We know that. So, Yeah. (laughs) We also got confirmation that uh, from Cersei, straight out of Cersei's mouth, that there was a plan for Ned to take the Black. Joran had told us that he had been given this information, and now Cersei confirmed it. Ned was supposed to take the Black, and Joffrey decided to make a show for the the mob.
1: Yeah. Cersei is adamant she didn't kill Jon Arryn, um, didn't hold back with her other transgressions, so uh seems right. that she probably didn't.
0: Yeah, and based on the source of the claim that she did, seems maybe she
1: yeah. didn't. Yeah, I am yeah. no longer believing Liza Arryn, no matter what she says.
0: <laughs> Speaking of transgressions, uh, she did confirm playing a part in Robert's death.
1: Yeah, no question, but uh, I think you made the right point. Didn't matter what Varys said. It didn't matter whether or not the boar got him. They were gonna get him one way or right. another. Yep,
0: if they the, were gonna get him would... in the melee if uh right he if Ned hadn't talked him out of participating in it. Yeah.
1: Varys knows about Shea. Uh, it's not surprising. He is the master of whisperers. Uh, how will he use this information to control right. Tyrion?
0: He is the master of whisperers, so utilizing information is his primary job, so I'm sure yeah. he'll he'll come up with creative ways of using that information yeah. to his his benefit or someone's benefit.
1: Well, as always, you can reach us at ghost.harrenhall at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at ghostharrenhall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you leave us a review on any of those platforms, it might get read out on the podcast.
0: That it might, yes. If you if you wouldn't mind going out and re- leaving us a five-star rate and or such a lovely review as Ms. Shytown town did, we would certainly appreciate it. And you might uh, hear it on the, these airwaves. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. BRB.
1: Yeah. Did she say Daddy? Uh, what shall I sing to McKelly while he's not here? I've I've had a wedding present song in my head for a couple of days now. Uh it's called I think the song is called Everybody Everyone Thinks He Looks Daft. And I think it starts with What do you catch my eye then? Turn away. I thought we'd said all the things we need to say. Don't give me that, because you were seen. Everyone thinks he looks daft, but you can have your dreams. I love the wedding present.
0: <laughs> You'd be amazed at how effective the power button is.
1: Yes, I could tell that was the problem. <laughs> i heard you say it yes i heard you say it and i heard no response and i was like that's the problem clearly (laughs)